Meeting the crisis with the new world order. This is number one. One of the most heartrending experiences in the life of Christ is recorded in Luke 19:41 to 44. I invite you to open your Bible to this passage that we may read it together. Keep in mind that Jerusalem, which was built on the glorious Mount Moriah, stands for God's true church throughout the Bible. Let us follow Jesus now as he walked with his disciples toward Jerusalem with the intent to enter the temple and cleanse his house of worship. As he reaches a crest in the path to Jerusalem, instantly the city of Jerusalem, that glorious symbol of his church, comes into view. He stops with his disciples as the following company rejoice at the magnificent scene. But alas, Jesus breaks forth in weeping. Now with your Bible open to Luke 19:41 to 44, we shall read together from inspiration. And when he has come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. This was a tragedy that never needed to happen. For God, through his prophets, had revealed in detail what would happen to his church should it go into apostasy. But the priests refused to tell this to the people. You see, the leadership was afraid that if the people were informed that a reformation would take place which would expose the prevailing apostasy. Could this be the reason why our church leaders today are so silent as to the end-time events such as what took place this last September 2000? I'm speaking of the most startling predictions of Revelation 13, which took place when the government leaders of every nation on earth came together at the United Nations headquarters in New York, and they all, except Switzerland, accepted the authority of the new world order which will soon bring about a worldwide Sunday law with dreaded persecutions. Believe me, friend, 
The groundwork has now been fully completed for the entire world to worship the beast and the Antichrist to rule the world. Before we discuss what actually took place in September 2000, let us pray for divine guidance. Our loving Father, in this message, please help us to clearly see the fulfilling prophecy of Revelation chapter 13. Anoint us with thy Holy Spirit that we can be spiritually ready for these closing end-time events. Help us to totally surrender and experience such a reformation that we will be prepared to meet the coming Sunday law. This we ask in the name of thy dear Son, Jesus. Amen. Let us first refresh our minds of what God has declared of this beast of Revelation 13. Open your Bible again and follow along as we read together how the whole world wonders after the beast. I'm reading from Revelation 13, beginning verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? <clears throat> and there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here 
is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceived them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Now, let us quickly examine God's checklist of the events we have just read of this beast and the power supporting him. One, a beast in prophecy represents a kingdom a nation, a power. The prophet Daniel declares, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth. Daniel 7.23. Number two, the beast has seven heads and ten horns. The head represents the headquarters of a government. A horn represents a king or ruler. Number three, the beast comes up out of the sea of water, which represents the people of this world, a power conquering existing governments. Revelation 17, verse 15. Number four, the beast has the name of blasphemy. Verse one. Five. The dragon, which is Satan, Revelation 12:9, gives him his power and his seat and great authority so that everyone worships him. Verse 2 and verse 8. Number 6. The beast is a worldwide power for all the world wonders after the beast. Verse 3. Number 7. 
The beast receives its seat of government from Rome. Verse 4. Its characteristics are the same as the four beasts which existed before it. Daniel 7.17 Beginning with Babylon, the lion reigning from 606 to 538 B.C., then Medo-Persia, the bear from 538 to 331 B.C., then Greece, the leopard from 331 to 168 B.C., and then the terrible beast of Rome from 168 B.C. to 476 A.D. Point number eight. The beast of Revelation 13 rules the world for 1260 years from 538 to 1798 A.D. Point nine. When the beast receives a deadly wound in 1798, which later begins to heal in 1929. Revelation 13, verse 3. Number 10. The beast is worshipped as a religious power, backed by political power. Verse 4. Number 11. The beast tampers with God's law. Daniel 7.25 Number 12. The beast claims to represent God on earth and is able to forgive sins, which is blasphemy. Verse 6. Number 13. The beast has a man at the head with the number 666. Verse 18. And at last, the fourteenth point, the beast has a mark which, if you accept, will cast you into the lake of fire. Revelation 14, 9 and 10. If this brief outline is something new to you, please obtain the book, The Antichrist, which I have written and published, it will explain Revelation 13 more fully. On September 8, 2000, this prophecy of a one-world government was implanted at the Millennium Summit, which was held at the United Nations World Headquarters in New York. This was the largest UN General Assembly ever conducted in which 150 nations of the world signed some 514 charters establishing some 12 governing tenets for the entire world. During this meeting, every nation on earth except Switzerland handed over their country's sovereignty to the United Nations by their leaders who pledged with their signatures. The new world order has now come into being at this summit. Pope John II sent the following message from the Vatican 
to this new world order. I quote, The only religion worthy of the name is the religion that leads to peace. <clears throat> True religion is mocked when it is tied to conflict and violence. Religion offers a moral and spiritual wisdom which illuminates and teaches the transcendent truth of the human person. The problems facing humanity now are so large and complex that no single people on earth or nation can solve them in isolation, nor can the building of peace be the work of politicians and diplomats alone. It is a task to which all must contribute, and religious and spiritual leaders have an especially important role to play." End quote. Did you catch the significance of those words from the beast power that only religious leadership can answer today's problems? So the New World Order has received its marching orders from the papacy. This summit meeting was made, has made provision for a one-world army to enforce its one-world religion when necessary. It is also now prepared to enforce a new world economy plan. The rule of the Antichrist is now in force. The following are some of the governing principles soon to be enforced by this one world power. I quote what was voted and signed by 149 nations at this summit meeting. Number one, the UN shall bring all nations under its taxation regime in order for it to have an independent source of revenue to carry out its pro programs throughout the world. Number two, the UN is going to strip any nation of any power to veto. All nations shall be ruled according to the UN statutes, national constitutions, and sovereignty will be subject to the UN charters. Number three. The UN is going to mobilize one standing army to quench any turmoil in any part of the world without prior notice or permission from that particular country to intervene in eternal affairs. Number four, the UN is going to register all armies of various countries. Number five, the UN is going to enforce the global democracy that was enacted in 1948. Number six, the UN is going to create an international criminal court. Are you listening? National Supreme Courts, by these leaders' ratification at the last summit, 
have agreed to subject their supreme courts to the rule of this international criminal court. Citizens in many countries will have the right to petition this court on social and economic matters. There will be no reference to the sovereignty that will be entertained by this court. Its action will be final. Number seven. The UN is going to enforce and emphasize the need for sustainable development. The UN will bring to brook all environment unfriendly nations or peoples, say the United States, for having contributed to the pollution of the environment through its millions of automobiles on the road. The UN is saying that the cosmic belongs to it. By agreeing to the summit resolutions, the leaders of the world have indeed agreed to be controlled in every aspect of life by the UN. Number eight. The UN, now that it has assumed total control of the world, has taken the awesome burden of canceling the debt of poor nations. It aims to share the world's wealth equally as allocated by the Millennium Summit in New York. That was taken from the World's Intelligence Report, Tuesday, September 19 to 25, 2000. Here I must add, communism has at last conquered the world. Now I have a question for you. What is it going to take to get the people of these 150 nations of the world to accept what their leaders have agreed and signed? Why have we here in America heard nothing of this Millennium Summit meeting? I'll tell you why. Because the American press is already controlled by the UN, and they expect much opposition among the millions who are not ready to give up their freedoms. The United Nations One World Government is now waiting for some catastrophic disaster to strike this planet that will be so terrible that every living purpose person will be willing to give up their freedoms for a promise of peace and prosperity. The Pope has prepared the way for such a response by publishing throughout the world the predictions of a catastrophic disaster that Mary had revealed to him which was given at Fatima. He has refused to elaborate the details, stating that they are too frightening to discuss. Would you permit me to present to you what I consider would be such an event that would cause every living person on earth to surrender his or her freedoms? Just let some terrorist organization get its hands on the dreaded anthrax 
bacterial germs which can cause absolute death within 48 hours to any person who breathes the germ. All that is needed is a truck loaded with the germs to cruise through a metropolitan city and silently spread this colorless and odorless anthrax into the air. You can well imagine the worldwide terror if this were to take place in a city like Paris, London, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, or San Francisco. Such a catastrophic tragedy, I believe, would produce the surrender of all people of the world. For some months now, word has leaked out about the demands of this new world order. Opposition is mounting as thinking people see freedom vanish. Recently, I read an article from the Washington Times dated July 12, 2000. The headlines read, House votes 416 to 1 for strong Vatican voice in the UN. The article goes on to say, Congress will not stand idly by while the hundreds of organizations assail the Vatican. The Vatican is under attack, and Congress will not let that attack go unchallenged. Congress will not tolerate this effort to silence the Vatican," said House Majority Leader Dick Armory. If anything, said Representative Christopher Smith of New Jersey, the Holy See deserves a more prominent role at the UN. Do you remember what we just read in Revelation 13, verse 12? Quote, And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Any student of the Bible and the spirit of prophecy can see that such action by Congress is leading us into papal rule. I have been reading a book entitled The New World Religion by Gary H. Carr, published by Hope International Publishing Company, P.O. Box 899, Noblesville, Indiana, 46061, copyright 1998. This book is extremely well documented. From here on, I will give the page number only for the source of facts that I present. From this book I have learned how the United Nations New World Order is being transformed into a one-world religion. The remainder of this message will reveal how this is taking place, preparing for the beast of Revelation 13 to rule the world. Let us look at the foundation of the UN 
as it has developed in the past 40 years. Keep in mind the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 3.11, which emphatically teaches, Other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Christ Jesus. From the Bible, we know that Satan, failing to take by force God's throne in heaven, entered this earth with one purpose, to capture this world and to rule it, demanding that every soul worship him as God. As he enters this end time, he is endeavoring to be... As he enters this end time, he endeavors to be the God of this world. This is why he started a number of false religions in the 1800s known as cults to lay the foundation for his one world government. He began in the 1820s with the first of these new religions known as Mormonism, which today has become the fastest growing religion in the world. One of its teachings is that Jesus was the spirit brother of Lucifer before Jesus entered this world, page 17. Next came spiritualism, in which an individual could contact the dead, which we know to be demons. Such became a religion in 1848. Soon Mary Baker Eddy started her occult doctrines in 1870 known today as Christian science. She taught it was absolutely impossible to understand the Bible apart from her teachings as found in her book, Keys to the Scriptures, page 17. In 1875, Theosophy began under the guidance of Helen Blavatsky and has remained the most powerful New Age movement, page 18. Jehovah's Witnesses came into being in 1879, denying the divinity of Jesus Christ. To prove such, they printed a new translation of the Bible called the New World Translation, page 18. The Unity Church came in 1886, which represented the New Age thinking with occultism, Hinduism, and the reincarnation of Buddhism. Here we find the teaching that all are a part of God and denying the atonement of Christ. As we proceed, we will see that the doctrines of these occult teachings have shaped the structure of the New World Order. Page 18. As the UN plan unveils, we should keep before us the words of Proverbs 14.12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death.
Alice Bailey, a spiritualist, was used by Satan to develop the infrastructure built upon these occult religions. She organized the loosest trust linked to the World Constitution and Parliament Association. She also founded the Lucifer Publishing Company, of which the world's most renowned financial and political leaders belong, such as Henry Kissinger, Ronald Reagan, David Rockefeller, Paul Volcker, and George Schultz. These men run the Council on Foreign Relations, who are responsible for the founding and the development of the United Nations. Page 30. Alice Bailey is the most significant in shaping this new world order as she was in constant touch with the ascended masters, the spirits of the dead, who guided in the developing plans. These so-called masters who are supposed to be those who have gone through numerous cycles of reincarnation are centered in Tibet and Nepal. They are accessible through occult meditation. They are demon spirits of Lucifer. These are reached through one's altered state of consciousness. This is the approach used by the Catholics to contact Mary or one of the saints who are none other than Satan's fallen angels. Page 34. Alice Bailey, a spiritualist medium, has developed the four pillars upon which the New Age movement is built, namely evolution, reincarnation, astrology, and occult meditation by which you can appeal to the mighty Antichrist promised to come. Page 42. As the New World structure grew, occultism has become accepted as a science. Again, let me remind you of God's word, quote, Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 1 Corinthians 1.20 And again, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Colossians 2.8 Here is where Carl Jung and Pierre Teilhard de Chardin brought occultism into psychology and philosophy. Carl Jung, once a minister of the gospel of Christ, rejected the doctrines of Christianity for the mystical religions based on experience. He spent six years with Sigmund Freud and believed all individuals have an indwelling God as taught in Eastern mysticism. Page 54. Pierre Teilhard, a Jesuit priest, had a passion for evolution and became a pantheist to speak of loving and adoring Mother Earth 
as a Christian would speak of loving God. He taught that one could commune with the earth as one would pray to God. He blended pantheism with Christianity. Finally, he taught that this earth actually represented the body and the soul of Christ. He went so far from biblical teachings that in 1957 the Catholic Holy Office demanded his work be withdrawn from their libraries, seminaries, and religious institutions. But he is now gaining acceptance among Catholic leaders, including Pope John Paul II. He is now hailed in progressive Catholic circles as their great religious thinker and a scientific genius. Page 64 and 65. Today, the field of medicine has also been infected with such practices as transcendental medicine, yoga, hypnosis, acupuncture are now widely accepted in medicine. Page 73. The father of such teachings in medicine can be traced to Edgar Case, who started playing with the spirits at the age of seven, page 74, which led to his research in metaphysical thought, used in medical treatments in ancient Egypt, Chaldea, Persia, India, and Greece, page 77. As he went deeper into these past occults, he finally taught that Jesus was actually Lucifer when he came to this earth as the Messiah. He further taught that God's force of life actually flowed from God through us, page 82, and that this energy could be adjusted when needled by inserting long, very fine needles as used in acupuncture to balance God's power within you. Such science has even filtered down to the Girl Scout program of yin and yang badges of Eastern mysticism found in the Junior Girl Scout Handbook where yoga exercises are explained. Page 89. All these pagan concepts are used to enforce world unity as the World Healing Day of December 31, 1986, for world peace. John Randolph Price was spirit-directed by the Illumined One, page 91. As a result, 77 countries of the world and 524 organizations participated, page 106. But note where this is leading. He wrote in his Planetary Commission to be used in world healing mediation, I quote, Now is the time for the new beginning. I am a co-creator with God. It is a new heaven that comes as the goodwill of God is expressed on earth through me. I begin with me. I am a living soul and the Spirit of God dwells in me as me. I and the Father are one, and all that the Father has is mine. In truth, 
I am the Christ of God. There is total oneness, and in this oneness we speak the word. Let that sense of separation be dissolved. Let mankind be returned to Godkind. Page 107. This was picked up by the Vatican Interfaith Conference of October 1986. John Paul II promoted global unity, inviting 100 leaders of major non-Christian religions to join him in fasting and prayer for peace. It was at this meeting that the Pope made himself spokesman for all religions, page 126. This brings us to the environmental agenda, which has now been the major emphasis of the New World Order. We will conceive how this issue is now used to enforce every individual into giving up their freedoms. As we investigate these present-day developments, I would again counsel to keep in mind what God thinks of man's plan to force all to worship the beast, I quote, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, Romans 1.25. In the forefront of this environmental movement, Mikhail Gorbachev, born of a Russian Orthodox family, he rejected Christianity at the age of 21 when he joined the Communist Party. He worked his way to the top to become the president of the Soviet Union, page 134. The Cold War finally brought the financial collapse of the Soviet Union, but Gorbachev has never abandoned the principles of communism. In 1987, the year he launched Perestroika, Gorbachev proclaimed, In October 1917, we parted with the old world, rejecting it once and for all. We are moving toward a new world of communism. We shall never turn off that road. Page 135. Then again in 1989, he announced, I am a convinced communist. It is my main goal. In 1990, he emphatically said, I am now, just as I've always been, a convinced communist. Page 135. In 1992, he came to the United States to establish the International Gorbachev Foundation. This think tank is located in the former U.S. military base, the Presidio, in San Francisco. Here he is unveiling the blueprints for the U.N. New World Order of the 21st century, all in the name of saving the planet from environmental catastrophe. Page 135. Every detail of his plan was adopted by 149 nations at this recent September 2000 summit, which included a complete restructuring of our world and our lives, including our economy, 
our political system with a global taxation and international military force and a new world religion based on pantheism, enforcement of overpopulation and the redistribution of the world's wealth. In 1995, 500 elder statesmen, business and religious leaders and scientists, each paying $5,000, joined Gorbachev in his plans for global government. Let it not be overlooked that Gorbachev has a fascination with Eastern mysticism and the occult. He surrounds himself with these spiritual leaders. For example, Gorbachev selected Thinat Hon, a Vietnamese monk, to lead a special half-day Buddhist meditation at the Forum. This man is author of the book, The Living Buddha, The Living Christ. His one aim in life is to merge Buddhism with Christianity. Gorbachev is following the teachings of theosophy in anti and is anti-Christian to the core. To bring this to pass, he has declared the envir environmental crisis is the cornerstone of the new world order. World civilization as we know it will soon end. We have very little time and we must act. If we can address the environmental problem, we have hope, but it will have to be done within a new system. Page 143. By now you have a clear picture of the framework around which the new world order is being constructed. It fits like a hand in a glove with the Bible prediction of the beast power who will use force to mandate its coming laws. Listen again as I read Revelation 13, 16 to 18. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. With the information contained in this tape, you are now able, with God's help, to meet this power. In our next tape, part two, I will be presenting an explanation of the power behind the new world religion. Surely the end of all things is just before us. Since we have discovered that the new world religion of the United Nations is being guided into pantheism by the demons of spiritualism, so we can see that the present UN plan is to save mankind through the environmental approach which is leading into Baal worship, in which is sun worship, which will become the ruling religion. And every thinking Seventh-day Adventist knows that sun worship leads to Sunday keeping, the mark of the beast, and those who accept will perish in hellfire. 
But let us never forget that the Son of God had a plan for our escape. He loved us so much that although we are sinners, He died in our place that we might live with Him. He will not permit Lucifer to destroy all of God's faithful, for He will come in the second coming as a Savior to deliver the faithful out of the hands of the Antichrist New World Order. I'm going to quote from Inspiration, quote, Spiritualism will become more and more pronounced as the professed Christian world reject the plainly revealed truth of the Word of God and refuse to be guided by a plain, thus saith the Lord, accepting instead the doctrines and the commandments of men. Through rejecting light and truth, many are deciding their destiny for eternal death. And as men reject truth, the Spirit of God will gradually withdraw itself from the earth, and the prince of this world will have more and more control over his subjects. He will show great signs and wonders as credentials of his divine claims, and through spiritualism will work against Christ and his agencies. The scriptures positively forbid intercourse with evil angels on the supposition of communion with the dead. Through this deception, Satan can educate souls in his school of falsehood and make of non-effect the lessons that Christ would teach, which, if practiced, would result in the eternal life of those who obey. Satan is seeking to form a great confederacy of evil by uniting fallen men and fallen angels. But the Lord says, When they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God? For the living to the dead, to the law, and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. That is taken from an undated manuscript, number 66, written in 1912. And I continue. Beloved, God will sustain his people through his final struggle. Quote, Christ reveals to his people the fearful conflict that they must meet before his second coming. Before the scenes of their bitter struggle are open to them, they are reminded that their brethren who have drunk of the cup and have been baptized with the baptism, he who sustained these early witnesses to the truth will not forsake his people in the final conflict. I feel like saying, praise the Lord. To John were opened the great events of the future that were to shake the thrones of kings and cause all earthly powers to tremble. He beheld the close of all earthly scenes, the ushering in of his reign, who is the, to be the king of kings, and whose kingdom shall endure forever. Behold, he said, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. 
and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Revelation 1.7 He saw Christ receiving the adoration of all the hosts of heaven and heard the promise that whatever tribulation might come upon God's people, if they would but patiently endure, they would be more than conquerors through him that loved them. And Jesus said to the overcomer, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 3.5 Undated manuscript number 84, page 1 to 10, entitled, Christ our Helper in the Great Crisis. Let us pray. Dear Father, as we see this end-time event closing around us, please anoint us with thy Holy Spirit that we may have divine wisdom to meet this coming foe. Grant us thy keeping power to ever obey thy eternal law. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh!